0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. I am Brian, with me as always are Liz and Matt. Before we get started, I want to point everybody's attention to our new logo, which hopefully is going to be on this episode in your podcatcher of choice, but if not, it will be for next time. It was done by my friend Joe Hunter. He's an amazing artist. He is at Joe underscore Hunter on Twitter, at Joe Bloody Hunter on Instagram. Uh, He does amazing, amazing work, and uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I absolutely love our new logo. Oh, I love it too, yeah.
1: I also love it.
0: It's great. So everybody, if you need a logo for something, Joe is your man. Uh, anyway, now that we have uh, that pleasant news out of the way, we have to deal with something somewhat unpleasant, and that is our review <laughs> of Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster.
1: Well, why do you think my review is going to gonna skew that way, Brian? <laughs> I, I don't
0: know. I'm just, just a hunch. No, I mean, look, there is some context needed here. This book was commissioned – so I, I did some, some research. About, so I actually found an old interview with Foster, and he said that you know he was hired to ghostwrite – the novelization of Star Wars, of the original film. And part of that was to write a sequel in case the movie was successful enough to warrant a sequel, but not successful enough to warrant a sort of blockbuster sequel. So this was supposed to be the lower budget sequel to Star Wars. Uh, Harrison Ford had not his Pirate Wars contract did not stipulate that he would need to be in any sequels, and so that's why Han Solo was not in the film. Um, but replaced by the much-improved HIN. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, no Wookiees, but we get two kind of <laughs> so, sort of Wookies in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we get, as I described her, a country grandma from Cracker Barrel, who's <laughs> who's, who's, who's like a major player in the book. But anyway, so 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 this this book was was written with that with the sort of understanding of maybe this would be the the, the source material for a second film. And so wait, um, did it start as a screenplay or was it the novel first? The novel was it, it, they, were, they were always going to do the novel. But if Star Wars wasn't a smash hit, I think the novel would have been adapted into a screenplay. Oh, okay. That's okay. the impression I got uh, from, the, from the interview with Foster that I read. And so... Um, this did bo- I have another question. Sure. In the
2: interview, did it mention if Foster had seen the first film <laughs> yeah, well, before so writing this? <laughs> when he wrote this,
0: he had seen test footage, he had ah. read the screenplay, and he had spoken with Lucas about a number of things. But I believe this book came out mm-hmm. less than a year after Star Wars was released... Okay. And so I don't know if he, I don't know if he had already turned in his manuscript by the time the the film came out. There okay. are...
2: it, it, it does sound like he was described Star Wars by George Lucas and then <laughs> wrote this book.
0: Yeah, the, there, there are some pretty glaring, weird things uh, in this book that seems like, well, if you had seen the films, maybe you would have, the film rather, yeah. maybe you would have yeah. gone about it differently, but you know. I
2: dialed a few things back, maybe.
0: Yes. Um I, I will also say that I think it's important when we start talking about this book that we distinguish between things that work or don't work based on the book by itself and not based on what we know now about Star Wars. Like, for instance, George Lucas is a liar, and he will tell you that he always knew that Luke and Leia were siblings. He didn't know that. <laughs> that, was, that was not a thing he figured out until after Empire Strikes Back. And so all of, there's, there's a lot of Luke and Leia sexual tension in this book and yeah. uncomfortable all Very the time, 100% of the time, um, but, like, but in Foster's defense, he was not told they were siblings because nobody knew that yet. Yeah, so true. I, I find it a little But bit... also it was
2: written during the time of the uh, TV show Mad Men, which also would explain some of Foster's choices <laughs> regarding <laughs> Princess
1: Leia. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's something I had to keep telling myself was that I had I tried to think of this as as being you know in it in its own sort of world before the rest of the story occurred.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important because there were certain things when I where I was like. Well, everybody knows that's not the case, but at this point, <laughs> nobody knew that wasn't the case, right? So I, I'm really trying to be generous to Foster here because I, I think he had a pretty thankless job in, in doing this. Um, and I also want to say, and we'll get to this more in detail in a few minutes, there's a lot of stuff introduced here that is still part of Star Wars canon. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to me that this, you know, relatively light book would, would have such sort of important roots in it mm-hmm. um, so yeah yeah that, that's sort of where I that that that's my my preface before we begin here so um Liz why don't you give us like your general one or two sentence review before we dig deep
1: all right well I wanted to like this book um <laughs> I did like it better than catalyst which we already read mm-hmm. um I I, I really? feel like huh. I did. Yeah, I I feel like I enjoyed the story more. Um, And I do feel like the way I read it, it felt more like it was written to be a movie. I feel like frequently when I it reminded me of when I read more young adult books maybe that I'm reading to see if they'll work into my curriculum for school, Um, that frequently books are written to be movies. They move almost from scene to scene, action scene to action scene, introduced to new character. I felt like that's sort of the way this book was written. It felt that way to me. Um, and again, there were elements that I liked that I enjoyed. Some of it was awkward. The writing was not great. <laughs> um, I started reading Doom right after this, and the writing of Frank Herbert was very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I liked I, the first sentence, which I felt like was very fitting for for Luke for a Jedi. How beautiful was the universe. I liked that. Um, so that's my very quick, perhaps summary of what I thought.
2: Is, is that where the, the book peaked for
1: you? <laughs> it's <the first> sentence. <laughs> it started off with high hopes. I started with real
0: <laughs> high hopes. <laughs> Matt, what about you? What's your sort of you uh, know, mini review?
2: So again, if you take out the... Uh, I, I like the fact that this is a different view of um, Star Wars. It's the same reason why um, I really like the initial Pokemon manga it's set before a lot of the conventions of this franchise was were made. So I like seeing the different parts of the, you know, lightsaber and different uses of the force. but it's hard to get over. It's not even the incest, the sexism, the violence. It's just word choice that is really impossible to get over in the book. It's just so overwrought that it it feels like a kid who just did the click thesaurus on an essay (laughs) every page could have been a quarter of the length if he didn't just you know string on adjectives that one out of every five didn't even work in the sentence it was just awkward and clunky
0: yeah i um i like that this is a I like that this is a weird detour from the normal Star Wars we get. I always like those sorts of things, whether it's yeah. um, like a, a band that does, that there's a weird record. I, I like that. Or this is, you know, this is a novelty of a, of a forgotten time. Right. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I enjoyed sort of the what ifs that were associated with this. Like, Oh, what if they decided that lightsabers did need to be charged like that—that yeah. that mm-hmm. would change a lot of things. I, I enjoyed, sort of the, I enjoyed the idea of everything in this book. I did not enjoy the execution of everything as much, and I think that. How can I say this? I think that while there are a lot of the trappings of Star Wars in this it didn't particularly feel like star Wars because I think so much of the, so much of what makes star Wars, star Wars is. Again, it's sort of endemic of what I'm saying of how I'm struggling to describe it. This just, I I feel like there was a lot of the language of star Wars without the tone of star Wars here. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it, It, It felt a lot more like generic sci-fi of that era. There's none of the epic space. It's space opera. It's more. It's closer to Dune than Flash Gordon, and especially early Star Wars is much more Flash Gordon.
0: That's a good. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, because even just like Luke was like in like a street fight in the beginning. It wasn't. It it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) easy.
2: Yeah. That was a scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. Uh, There were a couple of times in the book where I think it got to a place that felt like Star Wars, and then something would happen that would totally undo it. Like, for instance, (laughs) there's there's the scene in... um, in that like tavern after luke's bitch slaps leia <laughs> and basically <laughs> says like get down woman right like, it, it does like a bad pimp impression uh yeah it's, oh, it's oh, really oh, tragic yeah. but after that when and i have to look up her name i cannot get her name in my brain oh old lady yeah
1: hala is it hala, I don't have a
0: hala yeah. Uma? yeah hala when, when hala shows up and she's like she shows him the sliver of the crystal, and like all of that I was like, okay, this is starting to feel like more of a Star Wars thing. But then Luke and Leia go outside and start to wrestle in the mud.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, there was a lot of time
2: spent like, on that. Was that was that the more jarring part, where three guys came out and said, "Yo, I'm gonna rape you." Yeah, well, oh well, yeah, that
0: was one of many near rapes for Leia in this <laughs> what? book. Uh, that's a whole other story yeah. but it, it reminded me of the scene in Zoolander when they have the gasoline fight that then turns tragic like how there, yes. it's just this like this unnecessary romp that, that throws up the whole like, the whole book would be different if they decided to just not have a yeah. mud wrestling match <laughs> inside the, of a tavern to be fair,
2: the whole b- Zoolander might be the best way to look at
0: this book there's so many Zoolander moments in it Oh. Yeah. You know, so so yeah, um that's that. So let, let's give a basic plot here for the listeners, if you haven't read it. And if you haven't read it, I know we're we're shitting on this book a lot, but I actually think it's really instructive if you're a Star Wars fan to look at this book and to sort of figure out why the things that you love are the way they are, or and, and like equally importantly why sometimes the things you sometimes things aren't don't live up to what you want them to be. I think this book's really instructive for that purpose. But um, yeah. So, and I
2: think for, for, for a franchise that tries really hard not to be weird, it's definitely weird.
0: Yes. Yes. Agreed with that. Um, So, you know, the, the book opens with Luke and Leia. They're on a, a mission to go to a uh, – basically to meet with some underground resistance to try and get a system into the Rebellion. And Leia's ship malfunctions and they have to land on this un- supposedly uninhabited moon or – you know some sort of uh, this small planet and uh, cuz they 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 hear a homing beacons so they know there's something there they crash and then this begins a, a, a journey where you know Luke has to find Leia they find they go to, they find a town they infiltrate the town to try and get a ship to get off the planet and they meet Hala who tells them about this crystal that is a force crystal a, a kyber crystal and um and they go on a mission to find the uh, to find the crystal. That's basically the plot of the book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's you can definitely see how this could have been filmed. Like, one of the things that Foster said in the interview I read was that the reason he made the planet so foggy was that that would be a cheap setting to do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And,
0: like, once you hear get, yeah. that, you're like, oh, that makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I definitely uh, understand that. And actually, talking about the, the expense of it, the only note Lucas had for him was he had to cut a, a dogfight in space because that would be too expensive. So there was supposed to be Leia's ship was supposed to be hit in battle, and that's why she had to land. No. Uh, but they felt that that scene would be too expensive to produce, and so that's why it was cut.
2: That's, uh, I mean, props to him, though, for putting Leia in a fighter ship. Right, yeah. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Um, there were a bunch of things in this book that I felt were unnecessary time fillers. Like, for instance, I don't know why it made sense that Luke and Leia wouldn't be in the same ship going to this meeting. <laughs> yeah. And, and so yeah. Then, then you get, you know, uh, like a, a tenth of the book or whatever of Luke trying to find Leia, which just didn't seem all that necessary. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the biggest thing, I wanted to know if you guys noticed this or not. Everywhere that they had to go took way longer <laughs> than you think it would, <laughs> but they never <laughs> spend time showing you what they were doing going there. Like, for instance, okay, they say that from the, the, like, the mining colony to the crystal should be seven to ten days, <laughs> which sounds yeah. like a very long time. But then like a paragraph later 7 days have passed. And so I don't know why <laughs> yep. you would why you wouldn't just make it 3 hours and yeah. then do the same thing. When that happens over and over again like when Luke and Leia fall down that uh, that that uh, shit. That yeah. Like That's all. Yeah. The pit, and then yeah. uh, I right, we'll, we'll meet you at the exit. That's a 3-day journey. Like why? I know. and we need to, for some reason.
2: See them stop, sleep, Wake yeah, up, right. get oriented. Yeah. It's not like there's a dream sequence where something significant happens. Right. No, we just watch them sleep for no reason. I it made I don't sense know. to me. Yeah. Yeah. It it's bizarre. it's it's very odd.
1: Yeah. It's like one of those I, dreams where you like can't get somewhere on time. Yes. I don't <laughs> yes.
2: That's why I, I, when the Yuzum is tied up and he mentions he has to pee, I'm like, that's a good point. No one has <laughs> gone to the bathroom. We have eaten every other page because they also eat constantly.
0: Yes, they do. Like,
2: I do not care what your rations taste like. <laughs> this is the ninth time you've eaten in this one
1: scene. Ooh, they talk about those cubes a lot that they eat. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do.
0: Yeah, that that was that was a weird choice, and I wonder if some of that was um, to try and pad out the runtime of a movie.
1: Mm, if they wanted to add things in,
0: yeah. That like, all right, well, we have these seven day journeys. If we need another sequence, day three, they can have something interesting happen. But my yeah. point to yeah. that would be, well, if it's a three hour journey, and you need something Think of interesting that, to though. happen happen an hour and a half into it, like it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it that
2: is weird. It's also we a lot of the filler too. I don't know if you felt like Hala's cultural knowledge was ridiculous that what she knew of these ancient, you know, civilizations she had never seen in person. Um and how would that translate to a movie unless you did like a dune voiceover? She very in-depth talks about like the societal structures of these alien creatures, um, it's like what? It just doesn't translate well to yeah. film.
1: Also, yeah. Darth Vader doesn't show up until page two thirty-seven.
2: True,
0: true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do
2: have to say, this is Darth Vader is more frightening in this than he is anywhere in the original trilogy, though. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is like Rebels-level terrifying Vader. Yeah. Which um, is cool.
0: There there seems like... There are certain things that I think this book got very, very right. I think that a lot of Vader, they got very right. We'll talk more about Vader towards the end of the conversation, but uh, I thought that for the most part, they got they got Vader pretty right. I also think that... In terms of the things that were said, like, spoken out of their mouths, Luke and Leia were pretty well written. But I think Luke's internal monologue was fucked
2: <laughs> almost the whole time. Uh, well, yeah. It's also yeah creepy as shit.
1: It was yeah. creepy, yeah. Well, and then, yeah, I don't know. And, like, the Leia stuff was weird. She kept talking about, like, when she was tortured and, like, she couldn't get over it. And then... I don't know, and then like the weird thing where she like couldn't swim. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like she was like fairly helpless in a lot of situations, and then like I don't know, she got to fight Vader, but like it was just basically to wait until. Oh, well, I guess we can talk about that. We're gonna talk about Vader yeah. later, but I don't know.
2: I don't know. Yeah, a lot. Uh, her character kept wavering between like super soldier at some points. And then just weird torture porn.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking about this. the The tone she takes with the I keep wanting to call him the sergeant major, like from the Paul McCartney song "Jet," but like the, the, <laughs> the guy, the the prison guard. The tone yeah. she takes with him is very similar to when she says, "Like to Graham Moff Tarkin, like I recognized your stench as soon as I came on board." Whatever. Like you see, kind of sassy Leia that you get from from her time in A New Hope and, a little bit. That's true. Um, yeah, but
2: then Tarkin doesn't look back. He's like, I'm going to pluck out your eye and rape your mouth.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I didn't I, write al- that scene. <laughs> almost <laughs> everyone in this book is is trying to not just, like, hit on Leia, but, like, take advantage of Leia. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was one um there was one thing I thought was really weird until you recognize that this might have been written before the film was released which is they talk a lot like, like Vader and Luke talk a lot about how well Obi-Wan trained him and in one point Luke says he's thinking about all the times that Obi-Wan laboriously (laughs) trained him or taught him. And like, bitch, you were with him for three days. Like, what are you talking about? This is laborious to you? You're a farmer. Like, you know what laborious (laughs) is. This was a long weekend with an old man. Like, what are you talking about?
1: It took him more time just to go get to that crystal than it was uh, training. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
0: He and Hala have far more of a rich relationship (laughs) than him and Obi-Wan ever did.
2: But to be fair, Lucas kind of confuses that timeline, too.
0: Yes, he does. Mm, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Fair. (laughs) Maybe that was a much longer journey in the Falcon than we realized. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe based on this book, it was a nine-month journey. We just just fast-forwarded through uh, eight months and uh, 29 days of it. Um, Yeah. Uh, Let's see literally the first note I have written here is everyone wants to fuck Leia. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, Luke, Luke is real creepy with Leia a number of yeah. times throughout this. Um, but I feel like at least he's falling in love with somebody, whereas everybody else just treats her as meat, essentially. <laughs> yeah, True. It's, it's disturbing. Um, <laughs> I did want to say, I, I guess this is a good time to point out a couple of the things that are introduced here that have that have survived a little bit uh it's spelled differently but kyber crystals are very much still a thing in star wars Mm -hmm. uh you know the kyber crystals that we know are what powers a lightsaber this is not that but you know we also see kyber being harvested in rogue one and in catalyst you know the the novel we mentioned before is really Mm -hmm. a lot about harvesting kyber um we tend to read a lot of kyber focus material <laughs> yes, on this we podcast. Do. We do. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> um, uh, Darth Vader is referred to as a Sith in this, yeah. which we don't hear that word until Phantom Menace. I believe. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it said... I don't I don't think it said until Phantom Menace in the film. Uh, so, so that's interesting. And also, my favorite bit, when Luke is fighting the um the Coway i can't bring this conway like kelly yeah, yeah. when he's fighting the co he says like ah i'm gonna beat him because i have the higher ground he actually mentions that he is slightly higher oh than, than the co the co-way is and so that that falls all the way till uh till episode three before we get that again um, <laughs> but also the, the the term force sensitive is thrown around a lot in this and that. That's a very extended universe term. I don't know if that is that still the term they use, Matt. I can never remember. I think so.
2: I it think was, yeah. More sensitive is
0: yeah. It was very much yeah because that's what term. that's
2: the term we kept using for um or they kept using for uh shoot what's her name in Rogue One her mother I forget
0: oh. Uh, 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 Jin's mother. Uh, Jin's mother. Oh, they use Jin's it. In, mother. Um, yeah, in Catalyst. Yes. Yeah, it's a. She's a Force sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that is all sort of established here, which is interesting, and and those ideas are important to Star Wars as a. Yeah. a as a larger well, I, thing, you know. I think a huge yeah. one too is the idea of
2: Force healing. Yeah. Force healing does not appear in the Star Wars. Um. Canonicity until um Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you can walk it back a little bit into um Mandalorian. I was gonna say two days before the before this
0: before Star yeah. Wars came out, the Mandalorian did that also. But yes.
2: But it throws off the canon of Star Wars in so many ways. Wi- like, why did we not force heal um Qui Gon Jin? Why did we not any it yeah? So having it at this point in the franchise would have made sense. Right. And would have set us up for a much more meaningful overall experience. I think it's interesting that it gets introduced this early in the offshoot novel, but gets left on the table until way, way, way later.
0: Especially because there are some clear instances in um, in the next two films after this where force healing could have been very useful. Like when Luke yeah. is beat to shit on Hoth, he's in the back of the tank for who knows how long. You know mm-hmm. and then when when Vader is dying after throwing the Emperor down that shaft you know you would think if Luke could force heal him he would
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah so yeah, interesting uh, let's do this let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about sort of certain sequences that uh, that stand out to us so uh, stay tuned.
2: Hello, everybody. My name
0: is Mike. And I'm Greg.
2: And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com.
0: Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also
2: have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding.
0: And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Bro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka.
2: So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show.
0: So, Matt, was there a, a sequence that you particularly enjoyed throughout the book? Oh, um, I mean, the final battle
2: I liked. I'm trying to think of anything before that that was not... Uh, I liked the the prison break was good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other ones I find interesting, but not not enjoyable, I'd say. Liz, what about you? So... <laughs>
1: Um, well, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna skip to the end there. I liked that uh, Leia got to use a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, I think I'll stick with that uh, as my favorite scene. I feel like she was kind of a placeholder to wait for Luke to to get up to fight Vader, but I like that she got to wield a lightsaber and she that actually did some
0: damage with it. She did. Yeah, I mean, it turns yeah. out not not nearly enough damage, but you know, but she but did. she inflicted. Yeah, she she did she did something with it, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed those those sequences by far uh, the most. I also felt like there. I always like seeing when you can watch a a creator or a franchise like do its homework for something in the future. And I feel like the the scene with the Coays when they have their um like celebration after Luke beats their champion.
2: Oh yeah, very yeah. Ewok ass.
0: Yes, right? that, that, that was yes. That was very much like the Ewok. So it, it's always kind of cool to say, oh, well maybe that's where that idea initially came from, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's hard to find too much really good stuff here because I just don't think enough happens in this book. Like everything we mentioned so far were was exciting because it was actual exciting stuff happening like that prison break was legitimately a cool sequence because we got to see some forced stuff happen we got to yep. see um you know uh the um just luke be a capable <laughs> soldier you know, yeah there's there, yeah. there action happening yep
2: i was didn't y- yuzum ripping stormtroopers limb from limb
0: yes hmm. yes uh all of that stuff I thought was was pretty interesting. And I also thought that there was my favorite bit of Luke characterization was after the Koei defeat the Empire in the Caverns and they're just like ripping them to shreds and Luke doesn't want to look at it.
2: Yeah. Like I thought yep. that was
0: that was an excellent bit of Luke characterization of just showing him as being somebody who is more sensitive to people's uh, you know um experience than maybe other others around him i thought that was interesting um but yeah to me so much of this book was just them trying to get places and and like liz said <laughs> the, like the dream when you can't get someplace on time that's an excellent descriptor for a lot of a lot of the novel unfortunately
2: yeah um, I, I didn't realize... See, I, I will tell the listeners, I read it on the Kindle. I didn't read a physical copy of it. Mm-hmm. So the Kindle version ends 62% in and has a bunch of supplemental material. I did not think the end was the end. <laughs> it in no way feels like the yeah. end of a novel. I was waiting for the third arc, um, which never occurred.
0: That's a good point. You know, I... Yeah. I feel like, for the most part, a villain has a bigger role in a book or or in a story than Vader had here. So I think it makes a lot of sense that if you didn't know how much was left in the book, that Vader would recover. Because we know Vader doesn't die there. So you would think that Vader would recover somehow and come back for them.
1: Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. I just knew because it was literally the end of the book. (laughs) Yeah.
0: exactly.
2: Could you imagine a series of movies, though, with a supercharged you know, Phoenix version of Luke Skywalker. That, that would have been interesting. That would have been interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about that last sequence with, with Vader and, and Leia and Luke in their sort of, sort of their big melee there. Um, you know, we had talked before about how, how Vader is pretty scary here. And I think that's definitely accurate. Um, you know, he, he doesn't there, there there's one glaring exception to this which I'll get to in a second, but he doesn't do anything that really feels too out of character for what we saw in A New Hope. It's just done sort of ratcheted up a bit. Um, you know, he he is he is every bit as cruel as he appears when he orders Leia tortured. He's every mm-hmm. bit as cruel as he appears when he you know strikes down Obi-Wan. You know, yeah. it just seems like whereas the Empire strikes back Spends a lot of time and and spends it well, building up the anticipation for Vader to meet Luke at the end of the film. So so throughout Empire, we don't get to see Vader do too much because we're we're, we're building up that that dramatic confrontation that will happen on Cloud City. Whereas here we see him actually doing stuff and doing not middle management stuff, but doing yeah. actual you know bad guy stuff
2: not just churning his way through admirals yeah
0: exactly (laughs) um but so i thought that sequence like you said matt was was pretty was pretty scary in a good way
2: yeah yeah He, he was clearly a competent force user he was not a luke was not a match for him um up until he unlocks the true powers of the force um it, it just felt hopeless and that's what Vader is supposed to leave you feeling he's supposed to be the ultimate villain um but oftentimes comes off much much less so I mean,
0: even the fact that both Leia and Luke at different times basically say if we're gonna be captured by Vader kill it, like kill me yeah you know they're basically or making what? a suicide pact because they know just you know being captured by Vader is is unthinkable. Don't let that happen yeah. to me. Kill me first. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's powerful good. stuff. Yeah. Um so we should we should mention that uh, apparently the film was there was not a color chart listed for the uh for foster here because he does talk about Vader's blue lightsaber.
1: That was confusing to me. <laughs> I was like, why is this wrong?
0: <laughs> I thought yeah. at one point he grabbed Luke's lightsaber. Because they mentioned a the blue lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, I no, it, I no. it was confusing. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was very confusing. But he also basically makes like a a dragon ball, like energy ball and throws it at least. That's Luke's exactly
2: one point. what I was yeah.
0: Yes. Did did you also think Dragon Ball? That's exactly what I thought. Alright. Yeah. Synergy. Yeah. Um yeah, it definitely felt <laughs> It definitely felt very anime-inspired to have him just like, whoop, just whip out this giant uh, energy ball and throw it at, at Luke. Yeah, um, and then have
2: your hero find the same power within him, but because his power is pure and good, it overtakes the yes. evil version of the power. Yeah. Then he <laughs> loses an arm, picks up the arm, slips on a banana peel, and falls down a hole. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, so I could definitely understand Matt why you didn't think that was the end of the novel because typically the villain is not felled by banana peel. You
2: know, a usually... fight that starts with "Come, girl, woman, amuse me" and ends with a
1: "Whoop" down a hole <laughs> right doesn't really seem. <laughs> a lot a lot of falling into pits in Star Wars.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's strong within that bloodline, like the Metaklorians, <laughs>
1: yes. the Skywalkers.
0: I am clumsy. <laughs> My father is clumsy. <laughs> My sister as is clumsy. Was, you were clumsy as, also.
1: As, as his father was before him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I can see how you did not think that was the ending in hindsight. <laughs> <I did not. laughs> yeah, it was surprising. I didn't expect it to end that way so quickly, right into the pit.
0: They make it very clear that Vader is still alive, though. They did not want you to think yeah, mm-hmm. that Vader actually, like, ate it, ate it on a banana peel. He just kind of <laughs> ate it on a banana peel. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, you, can
1: still feel him. you can still feel the force. You can still feel him. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, um, yeah. There was a lot of, um, a, that's an example of a scene that I think was a relatively effective scene that was still somewhat marred by odd word choice, but that was not one of the more egregious ones. Um, I felt that, You know, Luke comparing his feelings for Leia to soup too long on the fire was a very (laughs) weird thing to say. And there were also some, like, just some very, I don't think, intentionally provocative language. Like, for instance, uh, I got to pull this up. I I took a picture of this, too. Um, Leia says, you did it, Luke. You beat it off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did anybody copy
2: down the C-3PO? we're going to be stranded and worse without lubricant yep <laughs> yep i have again on the kindle version it's great you see how many people underline things and that is a very highly underlined really? sentence oh yeah that's awesome so as um in the interrogation scene after one of our villains plucks out someone's eyeball mm-hmm. um how would you like your pretty tongue burnt out with a low powered blaster he tells leia
1: interesting
2: yeah. yeah bit of a different tone shift from a new hope yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: there was one i mean i actually think i do not think this is what foster was going for but when leia heard that vader was coming and she like she freaked out i actually think that's a fairly good representation of someone who has experienced great trauma like how trauma can sneak up on you when you just like when yeah. certain stimuli are introduced, whatever. Like I think that 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 could be a very well done thing. It wasn't really well done here, but I could, I sort of understand what what maybe he was going for there. Yeah, and I'm I'm a fan yeah. of seeing the real
2: world impacts of things. Um, like uh, is it Iron Man three? Right, that's where he struggles with PTSD. Yes, yes. Like that, I liked these. We see her planet get wiped out. She's tortured and then she just bounces back. We see Han get involved in this from smuggling ring to almost dying to a, being part in mass slaughters in this rebellion he's not a part of. But no, there's no human impact. Like, we, I think we talked about this. Luke sees the people who raised him, their burnt skeletons, tosses them in a pit, and then's like, all right, old man, I just met, let's go. <laughs> like, there's no real human emotion anywhere in Star Wars. It's, it, it. They use it too much for like female weakness of Leia, but I liked the idea of where it could have gone.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, it's it, it's very hard to again. I just feel like so much has happened over the last forty five years to really be better at showing female characters than just being damsels in distress through, through lots of media, but specifically through science fiction. I feel like it, it was very much a uh, sci-fi and fantasy was a genre where there were so few true female protagonists that weren't just basically um, bait to get men to do things. So it, it is hard to judge this book on 2020 criteria but I yeah. think there's also no reason at any point in time to have ever written any character as as weakly as Leia is. I think Leia is portrayed more weakly in her own mind than she is in, like, what happens to her in this book. With the exception of maybe, like you said, Matt, the, the, the PTSD part or perhaps her not being able to swim. Although that didn't strike me as too odd. Like, she's royalty. You know, there's... She wouldn't have the backyard swimming hole with her friends you know she'd be mm-hmm. you know but I just felt like with in her interior when, when we got the few glimpses of her interior monologue, she did seem I not even interior maybe just maybe when it's just her and Luke she lets down her guard a little bit but she's certainly as fiery as she is in a new hope when she's confronted by by enemies of the rebellion
2: yeah I think in the films, it's she is the character with true grit. um so solo has a lot of bravado, but can get shaky when it comes down to the wire. Luke overestimates her, himself, but Leia is the one who really knows her value, knows her strength, and runs with it. But in this, it comes off like she's playing it tough, but really doesn't believe it herself, which I think is. A total flip from her, you know, movie character. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And she
2: knows kung fu. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I did a little research after we finished the book about just you know different different things, different ideas, and there were two things I wanted to mention, which is that in one of the Kylo Ren comics, he comes to Mimban, which is the name of the planet. And he finds something called the Mind Splitter. Oh,
2: and so, I, I like that throwback.
0: And so that, that that that's a little it's a little you know, um, I think it's Mind Splitter. It's something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then also the planet that, like if you remember Back to Solo, the planet where Han meets Beckett and everybody, that's yeah. Mimban. That's this planet. Oh, that's um, cool. It doesn't particularly look like the planet that's described here, but we also don't know how big the planet is. Like we only, you know, we encounter a small part of it. I'm sure if if someone described what Iceland looked like and then you showed them Los Angeles, you wouldn't think those places were the same planet. Yeah, you know, so true. I can't be too harsh on that. Yeah, um, I love those
2: wink and a nod type things that they do to the Legends universe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, so you know, th- there is there is some stuff um, that that has shown up here. I also think it's interesting that um, the original title to the Star Wars novelization was Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, which <laughs> huh. which, which fits in with this book, because this is definitely, whereas I think Star Wars is primarily Luke-focused, you get other characters take as much import as him as the films go on, but this yeah. is very much a Luke story. It is. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's it's funny to read like some of the continuity errors. Like they get <laughs> they get really pedantic on Wikipedia, where they say that you know oh, in this he's referred to as a D two unit. All oh, the films say he's an R two unit. Like really, come on. That's not that's not that big of a deal. You know. The, you know like, what?
2: You know what was like nails yeah. on a chalkboard for me? The fact that they called Vader Lord Darth Vader.
0: title yes, Yeah.
1: Too yeah, many well, titles. even like they call the Death Star the Imperial Death Star, and like R two is spelled <laughs> out like A R T O O.
0: That happens a lot through the novels, actually. The it R- does. R2 yeah. R2, um, mm-hmm. Which I sometimes I forget was it what novel was it? I just read one recently where it was used like the 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 letters R two D two and the R two were used differently. R2-D2 was used to describe him. When Luke called out to him, he was R2.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, was, so,
0: was, so his nickname is his actual yes. Vice number? Ah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, real creative. Yeah. So this book didn't do that, but I, I've read another book that, that did do that. Hmm. Um, so, you know, this kind of sets off the earliest stages of the, Sort of expanded universe of Star Wars. There are a couple of uh, Lu- uh, Han-focused novels that that come from here. Um, there are a couple of Lando novels that come out after Empire, and mm-hmm. but but there really isn't a full thrust into into Star Wars as a literary universe until. Fifteen so, fifteen or so years after this, when Timothy Zahn writes the Thrawn trilogy, which is mm-hmm. sort of remembered as the gold standard of extended universe stuff, uh, of what is now considered legend, um, yeah. And so, I guess my question for you is, you know, first of all, we should also mention this book was very popular; it was a bestseller. What? It, it was hugely popular. Yes. Um,
2: you yeah. <laughs> got. That's the craziest thing we've said so far in this podcast.
0: <laughs> what they said I was mean- that after the film came out, people were so – there was such Star Wars fever that, like – I mean, literally, the the film was released in May of 77. The book was released in February of 78.
2: Yeah, it's striking while it's hot. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I, I guess people were just, you know, just clamoring for more Star Wars. And so this book was a hit. So I guess my question for you is, you know, it's obviously easy to look back on it now and feel one way about it. But if you had read this as a kid, having just seen Star Wars, do you think this this would have um, satisfied your craving for more Star Wars or no?
1: I think it probably would have. Yep. i think part of what i you know i again i think i missed the things that i already know about the series that i already love about it i mean yeah you know, the writing wasn't great but if i was had seen a new hope and was desperate for more star wars this would have been it
2: yeah i and and again the things that were worried about being divorced from the characters honestly don't really get introduced until Empire of jedi anyway mm-hmm. so it wouldn't have Seemed anything offbeat. Honestly, I would yeah, have loved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought that scene with dueling force things was awesome. Yeah. And I, it it almost it's weird. Can you imagine having read this, going and watching a slow lumbering <laughs> battle of lightsabers in a dark room, and being like, "Where? What is this shit?"
0: <laughs> that yeah, it's really interesting to think how different Star Wars would be. If this was the second film, true, It'd be almost unthinkable to compare the two,
1: or imagine being someone who read this book before seeing Empire,
2: yeah, 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 that's a weird that's a weird subset of people i would <laughs> yeah. love to I would love to interview those people, right who are these people that watch that read then watched,
0: yeah. I mean, there supposedly there were thousands of them. Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder. Will they admit it today? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I also think that there's. There's much more of a sense today of certain things being canon and not canon. Whereas I feel like I, I, I read a lot of old comic books, and sometimes in comic books, things just happen and they're never referenced again. And that happened on a lot of old TV shows too. A character, characters would fall in love, and the next week they're back to being just like the way things were, right? I, I think we are now more continuity focused than we were before. So maybe it wouldn't have even phased the people who read it. And yeah. Saw it. Oh, I could see that.
1: True. It's just more stories. Yeah, exactly. We're crazy now. <laughs>
0: yep. So, uh, thank you all for listening to our journey through Splinter of the Mind's Eye, uh, a title that is never really explained, by the
1: way, like, <laughs> no, It's never mentioned.
0: <laughs> I get that it's a splinter of the je- of the crystal, but it's that never is ca- not referred to as the never mind's called eye. the Mind's Eye nope. once in the whole book.
1: weird so. times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. We we truly appreciate it. Uh, find us every other Friday uh, at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at forceghostc 2 c And um, remember, until next time, the force will be with you always.